This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, I know that it's summer in Texas, so that means uh, the living is easy, and so you have (laughs) prepared something spectacular for us today. Exactly what is it? (laughs) It is summer in Texas, and the living is not easy, and I have been so slammed with life stuff and writing stuff and just trying to keep my head above everything that I've not had time to prepare proper subject. But we did have a fun discussion, Steve and I, the other day, and it led into something else. And uh, we have stuff to talk about. And we thought that this week, you might enjoy just being a part of one of our larger discussions so you can come along and be a spy on the wall for this one so this all started because i had seen a netflix movie that i absolutely loved and julie liked it as well and so i it's it's always interesting to mention something that i've seen that i really like to taylor because i never know what i'm going to get in terms of a response (laughs) Sometimes it's like, oh yeah, that's I saw that and that is awesome. But I was I was curious about this because there were certain things in this movie. The movie is The Gray Man that's on Netflix. And it's just this, I don't know, it's it's a globe-trotting action adventure thriller, assassin thriller, all over the place kind of thing. And yes, of course, and whenever there's a movie like that, um, there are some things that are you know, maybe stretch belief a little bit, but I, I just set all that aside and ate popcorn and watched the movie and just loved it when it was over. I couldn't wait to talk to Taylor about it. And so I said, Taylor, did you see this movie? And what did you think? And her response was not what I was expecting. (laughs) Okay. First of all, I have to make a few things clear. One is I know the author who wrote the Gray Man books. And he is one of the nicest, just wonderful people you could ever hope to meet. I think he's the bee's knees. And I don't want to ever say anything that sounds like I am disparaging his work or whatever. So I need to be straight from this, the get-go that I have not read a full Gray Man book. And that's not because I don't think that they're going to be good, but because I just don't get a lot of chance to read and it's in my genre. And when I do read for enjoyment, I prefer to read outside my genre. So anything that I have to say has zero, absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the author or the books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to infinity. So I was very excited to see the Gray Man movie because. Well, I'm so happy for Mark that he got his, his stories made into a movie. And also, the looked like it had amazing actors. 
And it's, I enjoy those types of movies so much. I do not have a problem with movies that are over the top or escapist or any type of thing like that, because I, I, when you go into that, you, you don't have to worry. Like there's not as much of an emotional uh, intensity to it. Whereas when you're watching something that's more true to life, then you, you get, I get more emotionally invested in because I have an overcharged empathy battery or whatever, I feel everything that's on the screen as if it is happening to me in real time. Even though my brain knows that this is, is fiction, my, my whole body, my nervous system or whatever still responds to it like it's real. And so there's a lot of stuff that I just can't watch or won't watch or that I don't find enjoyable because I don't like the way it makes my body feel. It's not pleasant. And so I'll get up and just leave. So the thing with these types of thrillers is I know they're not real. I they're they're so outside the bounds of real life that it's okay. It's safe. I can watch them, enjoy them. I don't have to worry about being stressed and my heart rate getting up and you know filled with adrenaline and just it's much, much up my alley in the type of movie that I enjoy watching. So I was very much looking forward to it. But at the same time, this is what I write. I too write these these stories for a living. And so when I see them on screen, I'm already a little bit like the movie versions are always a little bit irritating because they are able to take shortcuts and get away with things that you can never get away with in novels. And that's not fair. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I also am watching from not just an audience perspective, but a storytelling perspective. And there were, like, I enjoyed The Green Man. Okay. That, let's just get that out of the way first. I enjoyed it. But there were things about it that bothered me from a storytelling perspective. And it had to do with the liberties that the movie highlight movie took with real life. And, and uh, there's this scene that takes place in the movie as an example. Uh, I think it takes place in Prague. And you have a team that's been hired from outside a high-level U.S. government department that's basically creating sheer, utter mayhem in this capital city of a foreign country and of an allied country, a NATO member, that they're killing policemen, they're blowing up buildings and just creating this massive incident. And it's the type of scenario that characters in my stories specifically, deliberately structure their plans to avoid because it could never happen in real life. A scene like that in real life would be an act of war. It would be something that fractures alliances and destroys whatever idea of peace between allies we have in our modern world. It would and could never happen. It would never be allowed to happen. I'm sure lots of undercover stuff happens that shouldn't happen, but it doesn't involve big showy explosions and things that get blown up all over the place that's scattered across the world news and can be used to 
you know, foment uprisings and just, oh my God, the nightmare of it. But it's not even a blip on the radar in a movie like this. It just keeps on going with that type of stuff. And then there are things like these, there's this location in Croatia where there's a like a castle type hideaway on an island. And I've been to Croatia. It is a wonderful country. It is one of the top countries on my list that if I could move anywhere and live there, I would go. It's a country of thousands, I, I don't know how many islands, but so many islands. And, and that the idea of having a big castle like that or a big um, massive regal opulent building on its own island totally realistic but instead of using something that already exists or creating something that works or having even a reason that is in any way related to the story for that setting to be in Croatia they just took a castle from somewhere else and slapped it onto an island and called it Croatia and that was it and I'm like but why like, what was the point in any of that? The, yes, the average person who's watching the movie doesn't, isn't even going to know. And they're not going to care. But I'm trying to understand the mindset behind it. There's no reason for them to be in Croatia. None whatsoever. So why, if, they're, if that's where their base is, do we now also invent this castle and stick it where it doesn't exist like what is the point of all that just to sexy it up and make it seem bigger and more exotic or whatever like hey we could do this really cool thing and i guess my take on stories is stupider in the process of it and i think that's what bothered me about the gray nine movie is it took what is Already, it took what is already a pushing the envelope of unreality, of non-reality, whatever, pushing the envelope of reality genre, and then made it stupider. And I feel like if you're going to have a movie like that, that's already pushing the envelope, then the best way to tell that story is to keep everything that can be somewhat close to reality, close to reality. And that gives you the leeway to be as unrealistic as you want in the areas that it's not. I thought some things about The Gray Man were just spectacular. Some of the techniques for getting out of situations, the, the, the materials that were cobbled together, some aspects of it were just fantastic. And that, I think, is why I was so disappointed in the other parts of it. It's like, you did so good with this. Why did you then have to do that? <laughs> but that's just me. I know that for its audience, it was everything that it needed to be. I just know that if I ever had a story go to film, I would hope that it was not that. <laughs> because I do try and keep the elements that are possible to be realistic, realistic, to give myself the leeway to push the envelope everywhere else. So that's more or less kind of what I told to Steve, which then led into, 
a second half of the conversation. So now we're going to take the conversation in a direction that uh, that I'm not familiar with because Taylor and I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. And at the end of the conversation, Taylor was basically saying uh, what, what you just heard that, you know, she, she thought that it was a little unrealistic in areas that it could have been more realistic. And Julie and I had recently seen the movie bullet train. And I said, well, if that's what you thought about the gray man, I can't wait to hear what you think about Bullet Train. And Taylor said, I really want to see that movie. But I've not talked to Taylor about what her thoughts were on that movie. And I'm really curious. So even more, more specifically to that, I was making fun of myself when I answered Steve. And I said, oh, I really want to see that movie. And now I'm going to have to come up with a principled reason why... <laughs> That movie's okay. Yes. But I can't wait to hear but it. Gray Man wasn't. <laughs> right. So I did go to see Bullet Train. I actually went to see it in the theaters and I loved it. And I didn't have any of the same problems that I had oh with the Gray Man. Hang on, hear me out. You, this is going to, this is, this is the goal. This is what we're going for. Um, except right at the very end, there was a scene at the end where I was like, eh, okay. But besides that, all the way up until that, I didn't have a problem with it. And I was like, this movie totally works. So the question is, why did Gray Man work? And uh, why did Gray Man have these issues and Bullet Train work? So if you haven't seen Bullet Train, I'm going to give you a little bit of a short explanation of what it's like. Almost the entire movie takes place on a bullet train, takes place in Japan. And there is a briefcase that has something in it that everybody's trying to get. And there are multiple assassins that end up on this train. And it's a very complex who did what to who type plot where things just keep happening and happening and happening. And it is brilliant. It is brilliant. The dialogue is brilliant. The way one event affects something else, which affects something else, which comes back to the to the a point that it are is just brilliant writing, completely, utterly unrealistic, but brilliant. So why the issues with Gray Man and Bullet Train gets passed? And I do have a reason for it, and it is. Absolutely 100% principled. And it's this <laughs> Bullet Train is brought to you by the same people who brought you John Wick. And the John Wick movies are also absolutely unbelievably unrealistic. However, they are set in a world that do, does not pretend to be our world. They are set in a world where assassins simply exist. And the focus of the John Wick movies is entirely on the assassin world. And the people who are not assassins don't even really exist in that movie other than as bystanders. So all the damage, all the killing, all these things that happen, there is no sense of where the police, how is this going to have larger ramifications to the, the global interplay between 
superpowers who are trying to dominate the planet. None of that exists because it's not our real world. And the same thing is true in Bullet Train. For almost the entire movie, it's like there are no outside characters. The train, when it starts out, has some passengers on it. But as the story progresses, and there's no interaction with those passengers, if they're like shadows that are just sort of in the background, occasionally there's some interaction, for example, with one of the women who has the concession cart. That is one of the few non-character, non-main character interactions that take place. But the train is essentially empty. And it's stylized in such a way that you never get this feeling like, oh, this is the real world. Everything that takes place in it is a little Kill Billish in the sense that it's a story set outside reality. And so the, the characterizations are so well done, they feel real. Those characters feel real for that world. The fight sequences, brilliantly, brilliantly uh, choreographed, never would happen in real life, feels totally real for that world. The, um, the, the story twists, like with the snake or with, with other assassins that keep showing up on this train, totally unrealistic for our world, makes complete sense in that world because it's not pretending to be real. It doesn't use any um, government agencies. It uses the, the Japanese mafia, but that has been so fictionalized and stylized that even that itself is something completely different than how the real world operates. So the whole story of Bullet Train is essentially a stylized fantasy. It, it's like anime acted out. But Gray Man takes place in our world with our agencies and our um, hierarchy of things and, and the things that actually matter in terms of power and control. And it's not pretending to be a fantasy in an alternate world. It is a thriller pushing the envelope in our world using our way of interfacing with the world and then going way over the shark, jumping the shark in so many ways that are fine for the genre, for people who enjoy that. But it's it's all splashy and big explosions and, you know, kaboom, and just, just, just a lot. And it's just pure entertainment, but there's not really anything special about it time very unrealistic romping good time for the world that it is created for bullet train also completely unrealistic romping good time but absolutely works as its own self-contained little world and the problem that i had with it at the end was when the bullet train actually has a, a derailment and it it moves from it being its own self-contained little world back out into the real world. And it's just this massive disaster uh, on the ground. 
and everyone's like, yeah, okay, fine. And they just walk away from it. Like that's where I had my problem is when it entered the real world again and lost the, hey, we're in our own little bubble and we're creating the rules of our own universe. So that's why, in my opinion, Bullet Train absolutely worked. And Gray Man was entertaining, but fell short of how awesome it could have been because it just went way overboard in like entertaining, but so unrealistic uh, incident after incident. There you have it. Are you familiar with the phrase agree to disagree? <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, when Taylor said she was going to go see Bullet Train, I made it abundantly clear. I am not recommending this movie. I am not recommending that you go see this movie, Taylor. Just to be clear, I'm not recommending this. And I think I may have said it a half dozen times. And she's like, I know I, I really want to go see it. I was going to see it anyway. Like that was on my list of movies that I wanted to see. I, I will. I will. My biggest issue with Bullet Train, and this is purely it's a physical reaction. I sprained my eyes from all the eye rolls. <laughs> OK, I can see that if you're. If you haven't bought into the fact that it's completely outside, it's not in this world. It's it's in the world of assassins. Yes, and it's entirely possible that if someone had explained that to me before I went in, I might have seen it differently. But I think my opinion probably would have been the same. And I didn't dislike it. It to me, it was. I mean, you said it was a little Kill Billish. It's like the closest thing I've ever seen to Kill Bill. Um, and I love Kill Bill. Um, but. I didn't like this as much. Uh, I And I love the Brad Pitt character in this and just in general, like anything that Brad Pitt's in, I want to see it because he just plays Brad Pitt so well. And uh, so, yeah, it just between the two, the compare and contrast, I sat and enjoyed, really enjoyed the gray man. And I was so happy when bullet train was over. <laughs> Let Although it, I did find it very amusing. It was funny once it once it transitioned in my mind from this is awful to this is just campy, um, hilarious stuff, then then I enjoyed it from that point on um, as as just a comedy. So let me ask you this. Have you seen any of the John Wick movies? One. The first one. And I didn't okay. dislike it, but I didn't like it enough to watch any of the other ones, even when they're on streaming services for free. Okay, so that, for anybody in the audience who is trying to get a feel for the basis of this conversation, that right there will tell you everything you need to know about where each of us individually are coming from in our own personal tastes and our assessments of the stories that we watch. I personally have seen every John Wick movie that has come out and some of them multiple times and would gladly watch them all again. And so there you that you now have my, um, I guess you could say baseline biases or baseline enjoyment factor or whatever. I much prefer a movie that is set completely outside reality. If it's going to be that way, 
because I don't get bothered by all the things that would not work in real life. They don't have to anymore because it's not real life. It's a different uh, universe. Um, and, and so coming from that perspective, that's where the bullet train sat for me. And Steve is exactly opposite. He just doesn't really care for, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but my understanding is just not really much of a fan of fantasy or, you know, that sort of type of movie and the John Wick and Bullet Train start pushing in that direction, even though they're thrillers, even though they're action, they're starting to push in that whole fantasy, not our reality uh, direction. Whereas Grey Man went the other way and it is absolutely set in our reality just really, really unrealistically over the I think that's I think that's a really good observation. And I, I know that when we'll talk about other movies, just not after we're done recording, and you will suggest that I watch something and I'll just like, I'm I'm just not going to watch that. I, that's just not my thing. And those tend to be um, like fantasy stories, um, like high fantasy, epic fantasy. And there's so much of this stuff on on the streaming services now. And I'll watch like 15 or 20 minutes and I'm just, I'm out. Like I've, I've, I watched 15 minutes of Game of Thrones and um, just things like that. It's just, it's not for me for whatever reason. Yeah. So um, that's the discussion about the one versus the other, but it's also an interesting take that you now have a way to gauge where either of our assessments would work or not work for you. And it's also a case in point of how and why one person can love a story, be it book form or movie or whatever, and someone else can come along and just absolutely trash it and say, I just don't understand where all these five-star reviews are coming from. (laughs) Well, now you know, it's because we all have different tastes and different levels of enjoyment and stuff that we connect with. And you can have a, a fantastically done story. And if it doesn't fit within what you connect with, you're just not going to connect with it. And that's okay. And you move on to something that does uh, make you happy or that you enjoy. And we get to, as Steve said, agree to disagree on the basis of it or whether it was good or not or worked or not or whatever. And that is what makes us all human. And that's what makes talking about story fun and also fraught with many pitfalls. <laughs> So let, let me ask you one last question, and this has to do with the the trailer for Bullet Train. Did you see the trailer for Bullet Train? I did, yes. Do you feel like it was a fair representation of the movie? Yes, but it fell short of what the movie had to offer. I could see how for someone who's not really into stuff that pushes towards the fanciful or like stepping outside our reality, that trailer would also feel like it misled them. Yes. Good way, good way of putting it. I, I really expected something completely different from the trailer. Yeah, I could see, I could see how that would be. But, um, you know, if, part of that's if, on me yeah. too, because I think every Pratt Pitt movie is going to be Ocean's Eleven. Right, right. Okay. So I can I can see, yeah. If you're coming from it from that perspective, the trailer would have been maybe somewhat misleading. But having seen the entire movie and then thinking about the trailer, I'm like, well, it's pretty spot on if you knew what you were getting yourself into. <laughs> and that, you know, to to bring this whole thing, circle it all the way back again and to to talk a little bit about writing and with with this, it goes to show the importance of 
the metadata that you use when your your stories are published. And if you're traditionally published, you don't really have a lot of say in that. But if you're self-published, you do have a lot of say in that. And if you are misleading people, maybe not intentionally, but if you're not if you're not explicitly clear about what kind of book this is, then you're leaving yourself wide open for lots of no thought required one star reviews. Yes, I agree with that completely. And I would say that it also is a case in point or an example of how important it is for you as an author to understand what it is you're writing as you're writing it. Um, because every genre comes with expectations and within each genre are subgenres, and you can cross genres and blend genres and all of that kind of stuff. And it's great as long as you know what your intent is. But when you start mixing and matching or crossing over in ways that are confusing to people, you you yourself lose track of what actually it is you're writing. And that can also be an invitation for multiple no thought involved one star reviews. All right. So that is this week's show. We thank you guys very much for listening and we will be back with you again next week. Thanks for being here, guys. We'll see you next week. If you've got questions or topics or anything that that you'd like us to cover on this show. We are dying for content, so feel free to send it our way.